All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 216 of the DFO Rundown. It's brought to you by Batano 19 Plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now with Batano. Go to batano.ca. Good luck. Stay within your limits. As uh, I'm Jason Greger. We welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli before he's going to have hostage tape put on his mouth or fingers, I should say, uh, later tonight as uh, he'll be sequestered at the uh, NHL draft lottery in New Jersey. And uh, it's the Connor Bedard lottery, Frank. Uh, there's lots of teams excited about it. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, this is your first time being sequestered. Uh, there's you and a few other reporters in there. So are you? I'm assuming you bring your laptop and you basically are going to give us like a play-by-play of what goes on. Uh, I can after the fact. Yes. They yeah. take my, they'll like take a live my to tape, live yeah. to tape, shall we say something like that. So I'll be taking notes, old school style, writing them down. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, yeah, no computer, I guess. Yeah, no computer, worry. no yeah. phone, no nothing. So, uh, very old school. I'll be, so basically what happens is they're going to draw the lottery balls. And then about 90 minutes later, um, that's, when the show airs. So for those 90 minutes, essentially from the time the draw, the balls are drawn until essentially it's almost two hours by the time you actually get to the pick. Um, I will be essentially locked in a room and uh, not able to communicate with the outside world. So it'll be fascinating to see and know who lands Connor Bedard and 
I'm excited. I've never done it behind the scenes before. So I've, I've, you know, watch the videos and, and understand how it works, but to see it now in person, I'm excited. So there'll be all 11 teams that are in the lottery in the room. No, I think they're actually staying in their home cities. Uh, okay. You had the option to send a representative if you wanted to. I'm not sure how many teams did to o- observe or oversee the process, but um, yeah, I think they're basically in their own war rooms and we'll have a camera in there. Oh, okay. And then uh, are, are, is the commissioner in the room? I believe he will be, but I don't think he'll be sequestered. So I think he can go do what he wants. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not going to tweet it out. Yeah, he's yeah <laughs> not subject to the same rules as me. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that for fun, Frank. Before we go in, why don't we go to Tankathon mm-hmm. and uh, and just see? Why don't you hit the simulator? Tell me who you get. All right. Uh, if you've never done this, it is fun. So. If you have some time on Monday afternoon, go to Tankathon and hit Sim Lottery. Here we go. Three, two, one. Columbus Blue Jackets, your squad. Hey. I got Columbus one, Montreal two, Anaheim three, Chicago four, San Jose five. Ooh, so Chicago and San Jose, biggest losers. Okay. Anaheim's the biggest loser. Yeah, They're I guess they from go from one, one to three. To three. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Okay, let's. Uh, I'll do mine now. Sim lottery, do do. Oh, Frank, the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh. Moving up, and uh, they went. I also have Montreal second, Anaheim third, Columbus fourth, Chicago fifth, San Jose sixth. So, uh, and then uh, Arizona moves down to seventh, and then after that, uh, everybody is the uh, is the same. So, uh, Flyer Tyler, fans, dare to dream. Tyler, I felt you left out. Whirl? I felt left out, so I did it too. Um, I, mine are unhinged. I had Washington moving up seven spots to one and then St. Louis also moved up eight spots to two. And then it went Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago after that. Wow. Something. Gee, could you imagine Washington? Cause think about it. Edmonton got Gretzky and McDavid and Messier and Drysidel. Pittsburgh's had Lemieux and Jagger and Crosby and Malkin. Could Washington go from Ovi to Bedard? Woo. So Got to remember, like, the crazy stuff has happened. Yeah, yes. The the New York Rangers landing Alexi Lafreniere, they had a 2.5% chance. Washington has more than double that at 6%. The Flyers are at 6 This has happened before, so hold on to your butts. Oh, hey, you know what? That, that's what I know some people, well, I always scoff at those who actually think the lottery's rigged. And I think, Frank, when they read their st- your story, you'll be like, okay, here's exactly how it goes. This doesn't happen. Um, it's, it's, I think it's some people need to feel better about themselves. So they want to create a conspiracy because they'd rather just not admit that, you know what, hey, some teams get lucky. And that's, let's be honest, the Chicago Blackhawks, when they won the, pa- like the one lottery that doesn't get talked about enough is the Patrick Kane lottery when the Hawks went from fifth to first. Yeah, the Flyers were the 30th place team that year. And they yeah, they don't won. win. They don't win three Stanley Cups if they don't get Patrick Kane. That's a fact. Right. And look at the like look at the James Van Riemsdyk, no offense. Um, you know, look at the other top picks in that year's class. None of them come close to Kane. It's crazy. It's yeah. that's why I, I tweeted it this morning and it's like it's fact. Like I just said, um, one NHL franchise will win a generational prize that sets a city up for future success. Like, that's it. You win, you got a chance. And 
you have a chance to surround that player. It's uh, in some cities, it's been harder than others. Edmonton is still on the quest to, you know, it seems like they found the right mix to surround a generational star with the proper support in today's NHL. It's not a free ticket to the Stanley cup final, but what it does do is first off injects a huge shot of, of excitement and confidence into the arm of your, your market. And two, um, it, it, it makes everyone, no matter where it is, it makes everyone want to go there. Yeah. I mean, think about like, you know, Edmonton had a number of number one picks before that. And that one changed everything. All of a sudden you get a, a general manager that wants to go there, a head coach that wants to go. It changes every perspective of your franchise in the marketplace. Yeah, well, older fans would tell you that uh, Shirelli coming there wasn't necessarily the best thing, but uh, hey, um, we're in 2023, so we don't need to uh, have revisionist history right now. Um, uh, speaking of changes, I, I do wonder, though, Frank, like you look at some of these teams and if, uh, you know, there's certain teams that don't have a coach yet, right, that are in the draft lottery. And I think that's I think that's obviously why. I don't think there's any rush to do it. And uh, I would think... Who knows if Anaheim or Columbus wins, if suddenly there's a coach out there that's like, hey, wait a sec, I really want to go there now. And I think it changes it. 100% it does. Well, Columbus, I think, changes it in a big way because I think they can be a playoff team next year. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you heard our pod from last week with Craig Button, and the numbers that he said still kind of blew me away. He said if Connor Bedard goes to Columbus, he's going to have a 100-point season next year. Yeah. He said 100 points for Bedard, 50 goals for Line A, 100 points for Goudreau. I mean, if that's the case, the Blue Jackets are a playoff team. So that's the A number one job. I think there's already been a lot of intrigue in it. But I think if he goes to somewhere like Anaheim, they're going to be closer, but they've still got a long ways to go. You can't just find five or six defensemen in one offseason. Not going to happen. No. So it's it's going to be a different length of time for each team that's in the mix. And it, it also has the real ability to, like, throw a wrench into some, into some plans. Like, yeah. Chicago's building for essentially, like, four or five years from now. That timeline's going to be sped up a lot. Like, what would the San Jose Sharks do or the Philadelphia Flyers do? Two teams that really need to tear it down. What would they do if they land Connor Bedard? Yeah. You got to change your whole plan, I think. Well, yeah, it's interesting if the problem with the Sharks, if they win it, they're they're in such a tough cap crunch. I don't I don't know how they do it, but you know, obviously maybe they would they would revisit some things if they could, but it wouldn't be instant. Hey, Connor McDavid didn't get the oars in the playoffs the first year, neither did Sidney Crosby, neither did Alex Ovechkin. So um I think some teams might, you know, might have a two year opportunity to try to build things, right? And uh, the problem with San Jose is they've got some contracts that are even longer than that, but at least it would give uh, Mike Greer an opportunity to say, okay, you're right. I gotta we gotta rejig some things here. We gotta look at uh, making some deals however we can to get them, but um, you know, Columbus is, I think, the best early fit amongst the the, the, the top five teams. But we mentioned earlier, Frank, Philadelphia, what if they win? Like, what if Washington wins? Like, well, Washington- all of a sudden, instead of talking about, like, trading, you know, Travis Konechny and uh, not saying they're going to, he's probably the one guy they're keeping, but all the other pieces that they have up front, 
you know, probably still try and move on from Kevin Hayes, but all of a sudden, like you change your perspective of Joel Farabee and, and then it's like, how many, how can we get other pieces in this group to, you know, support Connor Bedard and try and get better on the short term? Like you can throw an entire blueprint out the window tonight. Yeah. Montreal, they they got the, they got 8.5% chance. That's not, it's not r- ridiculously low. Like, you know, you go Cole Caulfield, Suzuki. They got some good young pieces there. No question about so it. So they'd go um, Slavkovsky and and then Connor Bedard in back-to-back years at number one overall. I mean, yeah. that's that's one way to build a team. Yeah. And, and the other team, what about the Detroit Red Wings? What if Detroit moves up from eight? Think about that. Like, they, you know, look at their defense. Um, I, I think Detroit's got some guys percolating and coming. That that would be an interesting landing spot for him, and yeah. then the the one big well the wild card because of where he's from. What about the Vancouver Canucks? You mentioned that's, earlier, Frank. That's the yeah. best story of the day, I think. If that happens, yeah. like the Rangers, two point five percent to get Lafreniere, and Vancouver has a three percent chance. I get it's low, but it's happened before. If all of a sudden he goes to Vancouver, oh my goodness, that changes everything. It's a marketer's dream, number one, but number two. You know what? Uh, he goes to a team that's got Elias Pettersson and JT Miller and Quinn Hughes. Like, they're power play. Could be really good, man. Canuck fans, that's the team, honestly. Like, you know, I use Columbus because I was giving them best odds. But if you look at just overall elite skill at the top end, if Vancouver gets Bedard, oh, my God, I'd lock him in as a playoff team in my eyes next year. Um. I just want to rewind the pod. Can Tyler, can we pull up the episode from September when you said to lock in the Canucks as a playoff team this season? Hey, now, come on. We don't need to be doing that. <laughs> Tyler RDA, Jets Jackson. boy. Yeah. Jeez. Hey, yeah. we're doing that was, that was two seasons ago. I just want to let you know. And I said the Jets would make the playoffs this year, and they did. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just to put a bow on that conversation, I'm scrolling through my mentions, and it's – it's hilarious how, how many people actually think that this is rigged. Like, that's why I'm so excited to like go and write it is because it's unbelievable how like, Hey, he only goes to big markets. Look at the history of the draft lottery and this draft lottery system is garbage. And the only question is how Batman will fix it. So the penguins win and get Bedard. <laughs> I mean, this is, these are all the mentions. Like they actually, like people actually think that this is the case. I know well, social media isn't the best. No, they're not even smart enough to realize Pittsburgh can't get Bedard. It's impossible unless you think he's dropping to number two. And, and I, they, can't, I, they can't even get number two. Actually, the best they can get, I think is number um, uh, three, four, that? four. So yeah, Who? not happening. People. Who are you talking about? Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. Um, I was going to say, the other thing too is like, I do think that draft coverage in general, like people don't read it closely enough because I mentioned the idea that Bedard is, is a generational prospect. And if you've been listening frequently, I've been saying almost all year up until world juniors that I, I had real concerns that he would be generational and everything that he's done since then has blown that out of the water. It's a really small group of players that fit into that category and tag. And like, it, it quite literally is McDavid. And then before that it's Crosby 
And before that, it's Lindros. And then they keep going down the line. It's We're talking like six, seven, eight players ever in NHL history. And like, if you notice, I did not include Austin Matthews in there. Still an incredible player. And we can get into the Leafs in a second because there's a lot to pick through. But I, you know, I don't know that he's a generational talent. He's a generational goal scorer. Um, but it's a unique distinction. So people are saying in the comments, you know, you, everyone hyped up Alexi Lafreniere, like, no, no, I didn't. Um, and the, the real draft experts, there's nuance to this. They didn't either. There's a difference between consensus number one pick and generational talent that I think a lot of people, you know, should, you know, at least understand the difference between the two. Yeah, and I, I would honestly, Patrick Kane to me uh, would be very close in that category, yes. not in that category. He was, um, you know, and also late birthday, which I think helps. But yeah, Connor Bedard, it's going to be fascinating to see what he does at the National Hockey League level. Um, it, it, very few 18 year olds, um, you know, even Connor McDavid, he got injured because you know what, you're 18, it's hard. I know it's unlucky, whatever the play is, but, you know, to, to dominate and put up huge points at 18, Matthews wasn't 18. Right. He was 19. He had a late birthday. Like it's hard at 18. So that's just a reminder, whichever fan base wins the lottery and you get Bedard, don't be kicking yourself. Like Patrick Kane had, and he was 19. He had 70 points. Like if Connor Bedard gets 70 points next year, should be doing cartwheels as an 18 year old. Yeah. I mean, Craig Craig Button was saying he thinks 70 points is a really fair. And uh, I had John Paddock, um, Connor Bedard's coach and GM from the Regina Pats for the last three seasons. I had him on, frankly speaking, a couple weeks ago. That was a really good chat. It's like 15, 20 minutes long if you want more information on Bedard. But he set the the benchmark for next season at 30 and 30 in the NHL. Yeah, He wow. said he thinks that's very doable. Well, his release is unbelievable. So. He said and it's, you know what? it's Matthews level quality. Yeah. And uh, we had uh, Craig Button on Friday. If you, there are lots of other good players. Like, everybody, look at the 2015 draft class, right? And, and go back and look at it. And, hey, Connor McDavid's obviously Connor McDavid, but there's lots of other really good players. And there's lots of pe- players that people are high on in this draft. So, well, you don't get Bedard. Uh, you could get a very good uh, player um, bordering on excellent. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, um, on the weekend, Gerard Gallant um, and the New York Rangers uh, parted ways, which is the polite way of saying he got let go, I would think. I don't, I don't think you agree to leave, although he's getting paid. But what do you make of the Rangers? Because I, I think there's an obvious hire here, Frank. I think it's staring them right in the face, like literally right in the face. If they want to coach, he's the only coach in junior hockey history to have four 50-win seasons. He's already had NHL um, experience, so he knows the pressure of the NHL as an assistant coach. He actually ran the Rangers bench during COVID when David Quinn was out, and all they did was crush teams. Chris, By the way, coach Connor McDavid, speaking of Connor McDavid. Yes, Chris Knobloch. And uh, he only coached McDavid for two years, but the two years after he left, he still won 50 games twice. Like Chris Knobloch to me, and I went through the list, Frank, of teams right now. There's five teams that don't have a coach, so there's 27 other teams in the league. 13 of them have a coach who it's his first time as an NHL head coach. Now that includes guys like John Cooper, Rod Brindamore. They become excellent coaches, right? Jay Woodcroft to go down the list. You know, some have had more success than others. And so there's three left. If you have three of the five hires are first time NHL head coaches, that means half the league is first time. Like I don't, I know that there's people that, Talk about all oh, recycle, recycle, recycle. Yeah, some are recycled. to me. Yeah, but there's not that many. 
And, and it's like players, you gain more experience as a coach, you get better. But I honestly, if I'm the New York Rangers, that's the guy they should hire. He knows the organization. He knows the players. He's had success at every level. And all you have to do is talk to the players who had him when David Quinn went, went out. They loved him. They actually wanted him to stay as their head coach. So don't overthink this. I, I'm with you. Um, I just had a big, long rant on this last week because in Calgary, people were saying, well, you know, what about Bruce Boudreau or what about pick X coach that has been around forever? And it's no offense to Bruce Boudreau or anyone else. Like those guys have made a living in this league for a long, long time for good reason. But people, people are so afraid of, well, he's a first time coach. How do you think you get the next John Cooper? How do you think you get the next Jared Bednar or whoever it may be? Where do you think they come from? Everyone has to get their first start somewhere. And most of the time they come through an organization and get promoted. And so Chris Knobloch has NHL bench experience, spent two seasons as a Flyers assistant, has now gone back to being a head coach in the AHL for a number of years. You can't tell me between winning two major junior championships in two different leagues and then having all of this pro experience that he's not ready. Or that uh, Mitch Love, with the success that he's had with the AHL Calgary Wranglers, is not ready. I'm sorry, I just, I don't buy it. So I don't understand the fear that comes with... um, promoting these guys and and didn't Connor McDavid just say it was it last weekend when they beat the Kings saying Jay Woodcroft he thinks is one of the top three or five coaches in the NHL didn't he say that in his post game where where did Jay Woodcroft come from yeah he came through other organizations was on the Oilers bench then went down to the AHL and came back up He's found success. Like, why is everyone so afraid? Now, the funny thing in saying that is, I'm, I think Chris Knobloch is a well-qualified, great candidate. I'm not 100% convinced that the Rangers go down that road because oh. they have a team that is they think is, is Stanley Cup ready and, and obviously getting to a conference final and then bowing out this year in the first round in Game 7 with a talent-laden roster would indicate that there obviously is something there. But this idea that you have to get an experienced coach because that's the only way to win a Stanley Cup, I think is, is a shoddy process and thought idea. And honestly, if you look at experienced coaches, so you mentioned Bruce Boudreau, uh, I guess Mike Babcock, obviously it's not Gallant. So who, who, are, the, you know, who are the experienced coaches that you're going to go get? Dave Tippett's done coaching, isn't Dave Tippett's uh, enjoying retirement. He's building homes. He's you know he's killing it in the uh, in uh, in the real estate market. Uh, he's not coaching. So who like where are the other list of of experienced head coaches you're going to go get? I'm just pulling it up now. I mean, Travis Green. I'm I'm just thinking through the list. Yeah. Uh, my guess would be that at some point Andrew Brunette gets another shot. I don't know where that's going to be. And, and you know, it's funny, Frank, he coached one year in the NHL, right? And Travis Green was a head coach. Yeah, I mean, I guess but he, he was... coached one year in the NHL and 
Yeah, won the president's trophy. So, like, let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Green has, I think, four, four and a half years experience. So, you know. Yeah, he's got 314 games. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Rangers aren't going down the Elaine Vigneault path again. Barry Trotz is now in Nashville. Uh, I mean, you're right. Like, I, I don't see any reason, you know, there's Claude Julian, 1,274 games. Mike Babcock, 1,300. I mean, none of these other guys, like it, it's it, last year. Well, Daryl Sutter, there's Daryl Sutter. Yeah, I have a better chance getting pregnant. Um, I, I would say last year was the time of year with all the experienced coaches that were out there that you might've said, Hey, this would be the year to do it. But a lot of those guys got hired, including Rick Tockett by the Vancouver Canucks uh, in the middle of the year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the Rangers do. And also, you know, Columbus, Anaheim after the uh, draft lottery. Uh, what about what uh, Toronto and uh, Ottawa? Yeah. Well, Calgary. Yeah. So Calgary. I mean, there's three Canadian teams likely, I would say. So you're so let's start there. Okay. Um you're with the Leafs are down three nothing. Um I guess there's a two percent chance based on history that they could come back to win this series. Um highly unlikely. And uh are you saying Sheldon Keefe, if they lose, he's done? I I would expect it. Like I wouldn't see any reason why the confidence factor would be there to bring him back. And I'm not blaming him at all. I just think I think there's gonna be wholesale changes. Now, regardless, or do they look at the team they're losing to? Was the the president's trophy team, and then and then lost four in a row in the right. second round? Funny enough, um, but I I think the concern this year for Toronto is so far in this second round, Tavares, Matthews, and Marner have gotten up. Now, Nina doesn't have any points, but if you actually look at all the chances he's creating, he's been the best of the four by far. But he hasn't scored. But um, I, I look at it. Here, here's some numbers for you, Frank, just because I, I think uh, when, when you're a big time player salary, and I know there's no salary in the playoffs, but guys get paid to produce. So here's some numbers for you. Marner and Matthews combined to $22.6 million. That's their cap. It. Right? They have scored. Marner scored nine goals, 45 points in 48 games. Matthews has scored 22 goals, 44 points in 48 games. So they've combined for 31 goals, 89 points. They make 22.6 million. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid combined for 21 million. Dreisaitl himself has as many goals as the two of them with 31. But what, the, you, what numbers are you referencing? 31 playoff numbers. Playoff numbers. Career playoff numbers? Career playoff numbers. Okay. And McDavid and Drysaddle have combined for 57 goals, 146 points in 45 playoff games each. Marner and Matthews, 48 games each. They have 31 goals, 89 points. So the Oilers duo, Frank, has 57 more points in three fewer playoff games, and they make 1.6 million less. You can. I, I think those numbers are actually even misleading. Because, like, you could look at Austin Matthews' playoff totals this year. And convince yourself or talk yourself into thinking that he's had a good playoff. And he had one sort of magical moment in the third period of what I guess would have been game four. Yeah. 
And so if you looked at his numbers, like if you didn't watch the games, you'd say, oh, nine playoff games this year, five goals, six assists, 11 points. In fact, game three on Sunday night was the first game all playoffs long that Matthews did not have a point. So you'd say, oh, that's that's a pretty good run. I, that's why I think those numbers are totally misleading. Even look back to last year, nine points in seven games, four goals in seven games. You'd say, oh, that's not bad. Okay, but what did he do in games five, six, and seven of their first round series? Yeah, the the numbers, I, I would say, mean absolutely jack shit. No offense to you. So you're saying it's even worse. I'm saying it's way worse. Yeah, but dude, even okay, so way worse. They're already... It's it, 146 it's a, to 89. It's not even close. And so you're saying it should be 146 to 46. It's it's awful. And if you look at the overall structure of the team, those four guys, their core four, account for almost 50% of the cap. That's close. So when you look at that and you compare it, and I'm not saying compare it to any other team, just look at the series. So you want to know why the Toronto Maple Leafs are losing this series 3-0 to the Florida Panthers. Let me just read for you the Leafs scorers this, this round. Sam Lafferty, who's a healthy scratch in a game. Matthew Nyes, who was hurt in a game. Kerfoot, Gustafson, who's only played one game. Bunting and O'Reilly has one goal, but O'Reilly, I don't think, has been any good either. So, you know who has no goals? Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. Oh, I know. The big question today that I got on Toronto radio, as I do every Monday morning, was, oh, is it just as simple as firing Sheldon Keefe and trading William Nylander? And I'm like, why, why Nylander? Nylander, first off, that guy, he looks like he digs in in the playoffs. And he might not have the points, but I think he's actually been, he's been fine. Oh, yeah. If you look and at all the chances generated. So I didn't have him the in most list. surplus value relative to cap. He's yes. the last guy of the four that I would trade. Yeah. And so then you look at the rest of it and. I, you know, I have a hard time figuring out Mitch Barner because his game just doesn't translate to the playoffs. This is a guy that has basically knocked on the door of 100 points each of the last two seasons, 97 and 99. He's a Selkie Trophy finalist. He plays a complete game. And yet, he's like that guy that's on the golf course that absolutely tries to kill it every time he hits the ball. He wants it so bad that he, he, he can't – the harder you try, the worse you play. I believe that. And then you're left looking at Austin Matthews and you say, well, what, what's going on here? A really sub, subpar for him, average season for a guy making $11.6 million, $11. million. And I don't even, I'm not even convinced that he wants it. I watch a game like Sunday night, game three, and I, where's the fire? Where's the intensity? He was on a milk carton. He hit the post on his first shift of the game, and I never saw him the rest of the game. And this ain't the first time that we've said that. It's not even the first time this series that we've said that. So where does this team go? I don't know what the answers are and what they do, 
But I'm just going to lay it back right at the feet of Brendan Shanahan, who last year at his season-ending press conference to pick through the carcass of yet again another disappointing season. And he said, quote, everything is on the table. Well, everything should be on the table this time around because if you've listened to the pod, you know that I've made this argument with some of the worst teams in the league. The Sharks, all these other teams that have struggled to, uh, you know, Pare down their roster. You ain't winning with them. Might as well do something different. Where do you stand on the management? Like when you look at the construction of this team, because if you look at the at the blue line, player by player, where do you rank their defense? In the Honestly. league, uh, like somewhere in the 16, like of the eight remaining teams, range. are oh, any no, of the- I'd say in the whole league, like they're somewhere in the sixteen to twenty-two range. Yeah, and of the eight remaining, would they be eighth? Um, Dallas, Seattle, Edmonton, Vegas, Carolina. Well, the funny no. thing is, I don't think, I don't think Florida's defense is that much better. Like going, like let's rewind to last Monday's pod one week ago. We were talking about the Leafs winning round one eight days ago. Oh, I know. So. We, and I said then, how do the Panthers generate any sort of advantage when they don't have one on paper? Oh, I thought they had it. I, I picked the Panthers to win that series. No, I, um, I, I get it. But what I'm saying is, like, let's, let's go through the positions. Like, no one really expected Bob to continue on a heater. So you were like, okay, best case scenario for the Panthers, the goaltending is a wash. Well, I would Fair. say, see, I, I argued, I said, Bob is the one reason why I gave him the advantage because he's he's a Vesna Trophy winner twice. I get that he hasn't been great lately, but he's found his game, and Samsonov's never been proven, ever. Okay. So, okay, so let's say you give the Panthers the edge in net. Even if you give it to them, going in, like, if we're being honest now, going into the series, what could you possibly say? It's a slight advantage? Yeah, it's not sure. a big it, wasn't, it wasn't like a it wasn't a massive one. It wasn't Jake Ottinger who I thought would have a big advantage. So yeah. Okay, so fair. defense, I'd say like I'd say a wash because uh, I think Ekblad is is significantly better than Riley. No, and, Montour has been unreal. Yeah, Montour's been ridiculous. But then like I like Forsling, and I think Gudis is a good number four playoff defenseman. Like he yeah, I like the top four in Florida better. Yeah, but I, I, okay, so better, but I'm saying I think the Leafs' third pair probably gives them a slight advantage because I think Florida's 5-6 struggle a bit and they don't play a lot. So I'd say, again, kind of a wash. And then you look at the forward group and you say, okay, that's probably a clear edge to Toronto, top to bottom. Like you're talking lines one through four. Yeah, see – like I look at Barkoff and I think he's better than any center they have in Toronto. Okay. All I would around. say based on play, I would history. agree with you, but I would say this year Barkov has not been. Yeah. And he hasn't actually been close. Right. And Kachuk to Marner, very different styles of players, but as you alluded to earlier, Frank, um, Matthew Kachuk's style of game. And, and the other thing that Florida has that's way better is their top guys. You look at Bennett, you look at uh, Kachuk, they got a little bit of bite. Toronto just, Toronto to me reminds me of Edmonton many years ago. They don't have much bite on their team. And I think that's being apparent in this series. I, it's abundantly, like I said, Austin Matthews, where is the fire? I don't know that he has one. And I'm not, I'm not picking on him, 
But here's the thing. This is what the conversation turned to is like, well, what's he going to make this summer? And so I, I made the point this morning, you cannot possibly make a sound argument with me that Austin Matthews deserves a penny more than Nathan McKinnon, who's at 12-6. I'm actually going to amend that statement. I don't think you can make a case that he deserves a penny more than David Pasternak, who got 11-2-5. Pasternak had 61 goals this year and yeah. 113 points. Why do you think Austin Matthews was already making 11-6? Mm-hmm. You already cashed in on the big boy deal when Pasternak was down making 6-6. Now he only gets a bump to 11-2-5, which is still less than what you're already making. And he's produced at a level that's, I'd say, over the last number of years, pretty damn close. Oh, he has been. Here, here's the reason why Matthews rank, whether it's Toronto or def, I think an American owner for a big-time American player will pay him more. Because he feels that there's a marking possibility. And, well, that might not, people might not like to hear it, but I think they're going to look and say, Austin Matthews, American player, you know, scored 60 goals. We think he can score 60 goals again. He's definitely probably going to score 50 a few times. That's a marketing dream for us. We're going to pay him big. And I think that's what's going to happen. I'm curious, though, where it is. That's my, that's my curiosity. Because I wonder if Austin Matthews is like, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe a, a new home for me isn't the worst thing. Well, I was going to say, if Kyle Dubas is gone, I think that changes the conversation for Austin Matthews. They're if tight. he goes, I think there's a chance that – if Kyle Dubas goes, I think there's a chance that Austin Matthews ends up walking. So he'll get traded because they're not going to lose him for nothing. No, but, it, yeah, I, I don't know what happens there. That's just a sneaking suspicion that I have. Okay. So um, I, I just – this is – this is a really tough situation that they're wading into, but I, if you like, this goes back to what I was saying last week about the emotional component of this. There was such a buildup for the last year. Got to win around, got to win around. They were satisfied. And it, it goes back to what John Cooper said when the lightning started their second Stanley cup defense, he said, how hungry are you? No. Yeah. I just I don't think the Leafs have it. I'm sorry. I well I don't, I don't they have they've got the talent they've got the skill. It's killers and and hunger and they don't have it and only well, a couple of them do. It, to me, it's pretty obvious they have changed a lot of things. Look at how many roster changes they made this year. They have changed their coach since um, uh, the first few years. They they've uh, you know they brought in the new management from uh, Dubas a few years ago. The one thing they haven't changed is their core group of guys. That's the only thing they haven't changed in all of this. And so for whatever reason, and it's rare because if you look at the other teams, most of them keep their core and eventually they win with their core. That's like, you look at Pittsburgh, you know, they didn't get rid of any of their big guys, right? Um, You look at uh, Chicago, they didn't get rid of any of their big guys. I like, I'm trying to think of a team who got rid of one of their big core players who hadn't won and then they won, right? Like Washington didn't do it. So I can't really think of one. Can you? So, you know, I, maybe that's why. So I'm what saying. are you advocating for? No, no, I'm saying. So do the Leafs though, I can't find, I'm trying to think of a core that's had this little success. And that's why I think you have to change something in your core. 
I just think from a cap perspective, it's beyond time. I, this team, we've been saying it forever, is too top heavy. Like, and and not to harp only on the core four, but like TJ Brody, what like watch that Reinhardt clip over and over and over again. What was what was TJ Brody doing? What was the Leafs team doing? It's like they were in non-contact in overtime. I couldn't believe it. There was no price to be paid. And you know what? I think that's part of the most unforgivable part of this for the Leafs. The path is wide open yet again. You get through and you finally crush your first round demons. And someone does you the absolute favor of knocking off the best NHL regular season team in history and wins and points. And you promptly turn around and, and what? Lose three in a row. Spit the bit. Yeah. That's what you do. Toronto is the only team in the salary cap era, Frank, that has yet to win a game in the second round. The Seattle Kraken have already won two. You know what? The Seattle Kraken, are you freaking kidding me? God, that team. I love them. I'll be honest. Like, they're sucking me in. I watched that game last night. They they chased Jake Ottinger. They've lit up Dallas, a really good defensive team, in both of their wins in the second round. It's mind-blowing to me. Absolutely mind-blowing. Their second period, they scored four goals in six minutes. That game was kind of tight checking, not much happening, and then boom, 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 over. It's, I give, and they're doing this without their leading score. They're just different guys every game are stepping up, and and they just continue to score goals. It's mind-blowing to me. Mm. I just, yeah. Hmm. I like honestly, are you surprised? Are you? I, I'll be. I'm surprised. I, yeah, I am. And I was just thinking, actually, like what a nightmare scenario this is turning into for the NHL in terms of viewership and interest. Why? Because because Dallas. If Dallas, no, you could you could essentially have like Florida, Carolina East final or Florida, New Jersey. New Jersey doesn't draw eyeballs. And then if if somehow Seattle is able to knock off Dallas and Seattle Edmonton, it's nice in those markets, and you have Canadian fan interest with Edmonton being in the mix. But it's a it's a it's a stone cold nightmare for the NHL in the U.S. Yeah, well, in the U.S., but McDavid and Drysaddle have to be a draw for not a, not no, they're just not. But the NHL is more of a regional one anyway. So I think I think the NHL is still a regional league. And, and but even if Fla- you look but at- Florida, Carolina, yeah. or Florida, New Jersey might be the least watched Eastern final ever. Potentially. Yeah, you could be right. I'm not knocking anyone. Like the hockey's been good. I'm just saying from a marketing standpoint, it's it's tough yeah. sledding. I don't even know the NHL when they've had big markets in, if it's other than those big markets that they ever really market anywhere else. I'm just not sure. Right. Yeah, I um, do. I think the cup final ratings, everything's totally different. If you get a Boston in the mix, the Rangers. Yeah. Like they do good numbers. They do just pure eyeballs. Yeah. From those markets. Right. But do they no, get but lots it of pumps up the overall, there's enough people in New York yes. or enough people in Boston to float the overall you know, national number. Yeah. No, that's fair. So, but there ain't, there's just not in, in Carolina or Florida or wherever else. Yeah. So, but you know what fans in those markets are like, who cares if our team's playing well and uh, you know, Dallas and Seattle, I, I still think that series is going to go seven games now. Um, Seattle's been, I can't believe they're lighting up Ottinger, man. Like it, they've looked awesome in how they're doing it. So 
Um, Do you think there's revisionist history in the idea? Like, I saw a bunch of people tweet this on Sunday night after the Panthers went up 3-0, and they said, oh, the Panthers, I, I'm just, I feel like I'm watching the 2012 LA Kings right now. And I'm like, no. No, very different styles in how they played, man. The Kings just sucked the life out of you. Didn't give up anything. Not even, It's not even close. No, no. Florida's, Florida's much more up-tempo. Um, you know what they, Hey, they, and not, not to discount anything. LA was like one of the best defensive teams we've ever seen win cups. Like they were really good in what they did. And, um, you know, Florida, they're saying like an eight seed. We've seen lots of eight seeds though. Get now yeah. LA was the one eight seed that actually finished the deal. Most of them but get tell to the me, cup final. Tell me you don't watch hockey without telling me you don't watch hockey. Yeah. That's like, that's what I would say if you wrote that. Yeah. So no, it's, I, I don't see them the same, but uh, what about New Jersey, Carolina? Four shorthanded goals in the game. Carolina came in, you know, their penalty kill uh, was like 94%. They give up a goal, but they score three shorthanded goals. Granted, the game was kind of over, but there was another game. New Jersey looked dead in the water after two games of this series. They were outscored 11 to two. They didn't, and then, you know, they throw in Luke Hughes, plays his first NHL game. Uh, him and Jack combined for six points. First playoff game, yeah. And the, uh, and the Devils, are now suddenly right back in it. And, you know, they put a little chink in the armor. Now it might just be a one-off for Carolina, but for New Jersey to light them up like they did, I, I was quite impressed. And I, Timo Meyer finally scored. If he gets going, that can change that series quickly for New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put on my Captain Obvious hat, but the next, this next game is so pivotal. I think if the Devils win the next game, they win the series. Hmm. Winner, winner to whoever takes next game wins the series. Yeah. I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but like Carolina's up 3-1. I don't think they're coughing it up. Oh, no, I would agree with that. But I think if New Jersey wins, I really like just how they've been able to flush games. Like they look so bad the first series down 2-0. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's like whatever's happened in the past doesn't matter. And that's really the only way to be successful in the playoffs is you're not going to have a clean run of 24 games or 26 games where you don't have a couple nights that you don't look good. And Carolina's probably telling themselves the same thing right now coming off of Sunday. Wow. Now uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with some more playoffs in a bit, but let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I am uh, I am doing great. I am on the recovery after five full days in Vegas, which is more time in Las Vegas than any human should ever spend. Um, but yeah, ready to go here and watch. Hey, the- sound a little stuffy. Got a little cold there. Oh yeah, a little bit. You can call it the Vegas cold, I guess. I'm uh, I'm a little congested after a long weekend. I heard you had a successful run on the plastic ponies. Oh, yeah, like the plastic ponies were paying. Uh, Jay, I don't know if you know about this casino game, but it is something. It is basically like betting on horses, but they're little miniature plastic horses oh, that yeah, race I've on seen the- it. I've, I've, in a drunken stupor, I've played it before in Vegas. Yeah, I, I, uh, I won. It's, like, it's bizarre. I won like oh. over $200 on one little dollar bet, and it was actually funny. There's a guy who comes up to myself and Jay, uh down who were down there and we were wearing oilers nation sweaters so he came over and he's like hey like you guys get screwed over by the game change or anything like that and we're chatting with him he goes yeah i'm actually like a reporter with the athletics like can i use some quotes in a story blah 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 and i was like hold up what's your name and it was sean gentilly from the athletic and he just randomly walked up to us didn't know who we were and then while he's like talking to us bang my screen like explodes and i won like over 200 bucks it was a funny coincidence 
Awesome. Uh, Blackjack Switch. Ever played that? I, you've explained that to me before, and it, it's interesting. I can't find it anywhere, though. But but we, we, we have I it played, at Cosmo. Yeah, uh, I played, and I'm not a, a gambler once, and we went, and we remember on the long weekend Sundays, you used to have the beach parties and uh, in the pool parties. And so I stand in line with my buddy because our other buddies are staying at that hotel at the big rock, at, uh, at um, whatever it's called. Uh, Hard Rock? Hard Rock. And um, so we're standing in line. We wait. We get in. It's like 200 bucks to get in. It's a joke. So we stand in line. We get outside and no one's in the pool because it's freezing outside. Everyone's standing out with towels. So we wait there for about half an hour, have a drink. I'm like, this sucks. So we go in and start playing poker. I go to the washroom. I come back and the guys have all sat down and there's no seat left at the t- table. I'm like, you dicks. <laughs> so then I walk over and there's this open table and it's blackjack switch. And I'm like, eh, I'll start playing. And it's like the most eclectic group of guys at the table, right? All different. You know, none of us know each other. I ended up playing there for seven straight hours. <laughs> and I won two. And T.I. was playing at our table. I didn't even know who he was. Right? And my buddy goes, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no. And he didn't know how to play it first. And so, and we're winning it, but he's hitting when he shouldn't be hitting. And eventually, so I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. So eventually, I'm like, dude, the dealer has six. I'm like, don't hit that. Just leave it. I'm trying to explain to him why. And he's playing like, you know, 500 bucks a hand, thousand bucks a hand. And it wins. And cause I remember being like, why are they letting us cheer? Cause normally you're not allowed to cheer. And so that was like the funniest Vegas stories. My buddies go for naps and we're playing blackjack switch for like seven hours straight. Oh, it was unreal. That is unreal. Uh, well, I'll start my buy or sell with uh, a guy who definitely dominated Vegas and it was Leon Drysaddle. At one point, Leon Drysaddle had six goals over a four-period stretch. That right there would have been enough for him to be tied for second in goals in the entire playoff so far. He is six away from the all-time lead for goals in a playoff run, which was set by Reggie Leach. So your first fill in the blank. He's at 13 right now. Drysaddle will have blank by the end of this round, Frank. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to say he finishes the round with 18. Five more. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I'll say 17. It's pretty wild. I thought you were going to ask how many does he finish he the finish playoffs, the playoffs with? And it all depends yeah. if they win, right? Yeah, I was going to say 24. So you think he won't just set the record? He will more or less crush it. I know back then they played less playoff games, so it's a little different, but still. Well, uh, like Curry played 18 games yep. and uh, Reggie Leash played 16 in, uh, in when he said it in 76. But it's only three rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Curry played four rounds. Yeah, but I'm saying Reggie Leach, the original record holder, only played three. Interesting. Uh, another guy who's just having a great playoffs. You guys touched on it already a little bit, but it's Matt Kachuk. And that $9.5 million AAV extension that the Florida Panthers got it locked up to it's going to be the next Leon Dreisaitl contract when you look at him playing on that $8.5 million AAV. So you guys were talking about Matthews and, you know, the Pasternak deal and all that. How about this? If Matt Kachuk was an RFA this summer, his AAV would have to be blank, Jason. How much do you think he'd be worth after watching him this season and in the playoffs? It's a really good question. Um, like, I still think Nate McKinnon's the bar, man. And I like Matthew Kachuk, but I I wouldn't pay Matthew Kachuk more than Nathan McKinnon. I think Nathan McKinnon has a bigger track record, a longer track record. Um, I like both. They're different styles of player because McKinnon is just an absolute racehorse. Like, he's a power. He's, you know, he's like the combination of a thoroughbred and a Clydesdale mixed in together and how powerful and fast he is. Um, so I, I would probably give Kachuk, like, Pasternak's 11.25. You know, Kachuk could be around 11.5. 
for me. I, I don't think he'd be grossly higher than that. I think he's somewhere in the 11-5 range. Yeah. So it's probably like two, probably like somewhere between 12 and $16 million difference over the life of the deal. Mm-hmm. Man, that'd be... Yeah, I that'd mean, like- not to say that he's not well taken care of, like... Yeah. Yeah, he he'll still be fine. got paid, yeah. and he has no state income tax. I was going to say, the state income tax definitely helps on that one. I don't think Matt Kachuk's going to be complaining anytime soon. Uh, the Leafs, you mentioned it. All-time when a team is down 3-0, and 197 less than a 2% chance. The Leafs have a blank percent chance of pulling it off, Frank. A zero. Okay. Jay? Yeah. I'd be, sur- I'd be surprised if they get to game six. I think they just, they have two more. So the crazy part about the schedule is game four isn't until Wednesday. They have a couple more days to wallow in their stink. I think they just roll over. Yeah. yeah. Um, Florida, go to the beach. I think they find a way to win game four. But they're not going to win the series. It might honestly be a more hostile environment going home. Oh, yeah, maybe you don't want to go home if you're. I, I'm not certain oh, you want to. You know what? Also, I think most Leaf fans like no, no. If the Leafs win Game Four, Leafs Nation's going to be like, we got a chance. I think it'll be absolutely pandemonium there in Game Five because they'll feel like we have to urge our team to a win. I don't think they turn on their team unless they're losing the last five minutes. Then it might get ugly. But if, to start the game, I think Leaf fans will be fully 100 on board behind their team. I, I think Leafs Nation has already turned. Just reading social media, yeah, but that's radio. The social media. Crowd, I, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just telling you. I think yeah. they've already turned. Down I think only ten percent of the population has Twitter, so I think that's a small representation. I don't know. There's 250 million active daily users. All right, I'm, uh, I'm going to wrap up with a draft lottery question for you guys. Uh, everyone loves doing the who's the best fit for Bedard, right? Like, which one of those bottom five would he go to and have the most success? Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, San Jose, Montreal. Damn it, I want to ask you guys who the worst fit is from an on-ice perspective. Which one of those teams, if he goes to them, does he have, like, the worst chance of hitting 70 points, Frank? Um, well, I was, I'm was. i going to frame it a little bit of a different way. Not worst chance of hitting 70 points. I think worst chance of success over a long haul is the San Jose Sharks. I'll say Chicago. They got nothing right now. Absolutely. Their, their cupboards are bare than bare. Yeah. And I don't know. I think they've got good prospects coming. Yeah, but in terms of this next season, I agree with Jay long-term. I think I agree with you, Frank. But if he were to go there next year, like unless they pull something magical out of their asses in the summer, which who knows, maybe Kyle Davidson will do. Um, I like the way he's building that team. I agree with you. But next season, I think, could be a bit of a tough one for Bedard if he goes to Chicago. All right. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, gents. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, Bedard, uh, we talked about Kane earlier. That was a huge, like Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh, you know, Edmonton, you know, Pittsburgh back in 84th, Lemieux. Um, uh, the, the, well, the Flyers uh, ended up, uh, um, you know, benefacting uh, because they traded for Lindros and Colorado slash Quebec also benefited from that one too, because uh, they got Peter Forsberg and everybody else in that trade. So, you know what, Hey, when you, when you are able to get a, a high end impact player, usually it leads to a success for your organization. Not, all, not always right away. I think Washington's a great example. It's not always instant. Sometimes it takes some time. You need to be patient and, um, that's going to be the, uh, That'll be the interesting thing here, Frank, is uh, in the offseason for Toronto. We'll have lots of time to dissect it, but um, the offseason there for the Leafs, it, when they lose out or, uh, to Philly, to Florida, which seems uh, inevitable, it will be a, f- a fascinating offseason for them. Uh, lastly, the series, we, we've, we've talked a little bit about Carolina and New Jersey, um, talked Dallas and Seattle, uh, Edmonton and Vegas. Uh, what do you make of that series, Frank? And do you, the order's power play was 5 for 9 in the regular season against Vegas. They're five for nine in two games against Vegas. Vegas's penalty kill is 52% in the playoffs. Edmonton's power play is 56. Like how a power play has a higher percentage than penalty kill. But the other thing is Edmonton's actually outscored Vegas in five of the six, you know, five on five. It's, I know their power play is killing them right now, but the five on five play in, in game two, Edmonton, Bruce Cassidy even said, he goes, they had the puck the whole time. They were way quicker. Can Vegas counter the speed of Edmonton five on five? Do you think? Um, it's going to sound funny when I say this, but I think they're actually the best equipped team in the West to counter it. So if not Vegas, then I don't know who does that sound crazy. Like I think Vegas is perfectly suited. If, if, if I think their only chance of success is to play just absolute fire wagon, run and gun. Hmm. I think trying to lock it down, I don't I just don't think they have the capability. Yeah, you could be right. So just just go for it. That's that's how I would play it. Yeah. But that hasn't and the thing is, and that's how they've played Edmonton for two years, and uh, it hasn't led to much success. Right? I just like, don't know what like how could they play a different way? I don't Yeah, I agree. It's you can't just switch and be LA. Like I don't think you can do that mid season. They don't have the capability to do it. Yeah. I like their defense, but 
Um, it's not a style they've played. So can they suddenly sit back and be patient? I, I don't, I don't know if that plays into to have, that. They haven't played that way all year long. It's, you know, I, tough, tough sledding. I, I think the, I think the golden Knights are in trouble. I think the way Edmonton approached game two was way more characteristic of, uh, I think how the rest of the series is going to play out. Um, I thought game one, the Oilers just looked sloppy. They didn't have it. Um, they, they weren't really engaged and you saw a much different effort in game two that I think that's more in line with how I envision the series playing out. Not saying it, it always does, but that's more in line. Yeah, I, I said at the start, I thought this was a good matchup for Edmonton, just stylistically based on the last few years. And when, if you play run and gun, there's no team better in the NHL at run and gunning than Edmonton. And so you're going to hope that Edmonton just gives up too much. And they've, they've, which is possible. Yeah, it had. But if you actually look, Kevin Woodley pointed it out. The Edmonton orders had the third highest expected save percentage on high danger chances this year. They didn't give up very much. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not thinking in terms of expected goals. I'm thinking in terms of turnovers. Yeah. And I know that leads to high danger chances. So they're not giving up a lot of, they're not a lot of those are converting into goals. But what you're looking at is a long sample size, and the difference is a playoff series is a short sample, sample size, and, yeah. and anything could happen. So I think that's what you have to hope for is that the Oilers essentially just shoot themselves in the foot. The issue with that is you're probably – like if that's your game plan and you're going into it thinking like, okay, these guys probably have the better scorers and, and certainly more speed, that's a tough outlook for you. But I think it, it beats the alternative of saying, oh, we're going to, you know, try and lock it down and, and play, you know, a really disciplined four check. So I just don't see it. Yeah. And the other thing that because Leon Drysaddle has been nuclear lately with uh, he's got 13 goals already in eight games, got six goals in two games. Um, Connor McDavid is on a, on a six game multi point streak. He's got 14 points in his last six games after having one point in the first two games of the playoffs. And when when you're not talking about McDavid having multi points, that I think is a real concern for Vegas yes. because he just goes along. Oh, oh, there's another two point game for McDavid. You don't yep. really even notice it. That's that's a concern. That's how good Drysaddle is. The Connor McDavid has 14 points in 16 games, and I don't think until I brought that up, anyone's talked about it. Yeah, and what did McDavid say the other day? A lot of nights, Drysaddle is the best player in the world. Oh. It's basically saying like on the nights that I'm not, he is which I oh. thought was an incredible compliment. Hey, um, Leon Dreisaitl is is on another planet right now. And I don't love the comparison, but if you just look at it, he he's like Malkin to Crosby and Messier to Gretzky. Yeah, They're all elite. And that's and Dreisaitl might even be better than Malkin when it's all said and done. I think he's, yeah, he's the Robin to Batman. And even then, oh, makes Robin the- look bad. Yeah, no, he's he's a big time performer. He scores, you know, wins faceoffs. He he does a lot of things, and um, yeah, I think he is better than Malkin. FYI, yeah, even Uh, at the the height of Malkin's superpowers. No, I Malkin in two thousand twelve. He hasn't hasn't done yeah, two thousand what twelve, the season when they lost to the Flyers. Yeah, but it's, it, that was the year Crosby was hurt, and Mal- Malkin won everything. Like he he led that team without Crosby, 
And that like that was pretty special. He's he was Malkin. The other thing is Malkin was like dry subtle. He was a playoff performer, man. That guy showed up in the playoffs. Oh yeah, he had thirty six points in that 09 Cup run, which yeah, is he was incredible. unreal. Still yeah. fourteen goals, which is basically where dry subtle is now. Well, Frank. So in the history of the NHL, there's only been twenty two play or not uh, seventeen players that have scored fifteen or more goals in a playoff year. That's in the history of the game. And uh, Bossy did it three times. Curry, Gretzky, Lemieux, uh, they all did it twice. Um, Drysaddle's got eight games. He's got 13. So he And the, the, uh, the salary cap era in the 2000s, the most goals ever scored in one playoff year is 15. Ovechkin did it in 18. Crosby did it um, in 2009. Drysaddle, like, what he's doing in this year's postseason, like, he could rewrite the record books in a lot of different areas. Is he going to rewrite the record book for most power play goals in one playoff? Yeah, he needs three to tie Cam Neely and Mike Bossy. They each had nine in uh, in ninety one and eighty one. Yeah, I was. It got me thinking because I saw that Malkin led the entire playoffs that one year with seven. Yeah. And he oh no, he's got he six, six already. Like he, yeah. he's actually Frank. He's one goal away, a power play goal away from setting the NHL record for most power play goals in a, in a season, which includes regular season and playoffs. Lemieux yeah. had 38 in 1989, and uh, he's already got 38. So he's uh, there's dry is going to be all over the record book in lots of different ways this year in the postseason. It looks like now they got to beat if they beat Vegas. I think he he it's pretty much guaranteed that he'll break the uh, the record. Although you know a lot of people thought Curry would break Reggie Leach's record when he had 12 goals in the in one series for God's sakes against Chicago and then only finished I think with one in the Cup final. So there's no guarantees, but the the way Drysaddle has started now. Um, you know, if he scored five goals, 12 next- power play goals in 45 playoff games. Yeah. He's already, uh, let's see. He's eight away from being inside the top 50. And some of those guys have played 200 playoff games <laughs> in their career. Yeah. Oh, like Kucherov has 19 and he's played almost four times as many playoff games. Yeah. And by the way, Leon has three five on five goals in the series. So he's not just a power play guy. I still don't even understand the idea of like power play merchant. Like last time I checked these goals all still count the same. Yeah. Like like, every every other team gets to have a five, four advantage when you're on the power play. This is not like it's new and only certain teams get the advantage. If you can dominate at at the power play, that just makes you a better all around scorer in my books. Crazy. I agree. Frank, have a good week. Uh, we will find out. Uh, good luck in the sequester. I'm very much looking. So when is your story going to be out? Tomorrow or later? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably post it uh, early Tuesday morning. Early Tuesday morning. So uh, we look forward to that. And the uh, Tankathon. So uh, you, yours came up Columbus. Mine came up Philly. And uh, Tyler's came up Washington. So you never know. You never know. That's what makes it uh, live tonight at 6 Eastern is the broadcast right before the Oilers-Vegas game. So uh, one team is going to know tonight that they're getting Connor Bedard. Should be fun. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.